Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Port St. Lucie. Let's join lead pastor Mike Wiggins with the message Unwrapped. Why was that little girl enthusiastically opening her gift? The reason why is because all gifts are meant to be unwrapped. Everybody enjoys receiving a gift, especially a gift from somebody that we love. And by the way, that's why we look forward, right, to holidays like Valentine's Day and Father's Day and Mother's Day and our birthday and also Christmas. Why? Because on those special days, we get to give gifts, but we also get to receive gifts. My question for you today is have you received, have you opened the gift that you have received? In other words, um, the person in the past, whoever it is, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your brother or sister or family member, when they gave you a gift, has anybody in this room ever received the gift and said something like this? Oh, thank you so much for this box. Man, the, the wrapping paper is so glittery and the bow is so pretty. And look, you signed it from you to me. You know what? I think I'm going to leave this gift just the way it is all wrapped up. Has anybody ever done that? No. The reason you've never done that is, again, gifts are meant to be opened. In fact, I bet you've opened every single gift you've ever received in your entire life. I bet that when you were a little kid on your birthday, you didn't even care about how well a present was wrapped. Man, you tore through that paper as fast as you could because you wanted to see what was inside. Again, the title of the message today is Unwrapped. Why? Because gifts are meant to be opened. Question. Have you opened your gift? You say, what gift? The gift that God has given to you. It's your first point if you're taking notes. All gifts are meant to be unwrapped, especially the gifts that God gives to us. And so in our text today, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing a letter to the church at Rome, He is going to list certain gifts, listen, that God the Father gives to us, his children. And just like your parents when you were growing up wanted you to open the gift that they gave to you, so your heavenly Father wants you to open the gift or the gifts that he has given to you. Just like your parents on your physical, everybody say physical. Just like your parents on your physical birthday wanted you to open that gift. So the Heavenly Father on your spiritual, say spiritual. God the Father on your spiritual birthday wants you to open up the gifts that he gave to you. Did you know, by the way, that everybody who's a true believer has at least two birthdays? Did you know that? You have your physical birthday in which your mama gave birth to you. And then if you're a true believer, you have had a spiritual birthday in which the Holy Spirit gave birth to you. When the Holy Spirit made your spirit come alive, Jesus referred to a believer's spiritual birthday as the day when they were born again. And you may be new to the Bible, you may be new to church, and you might say, I've heard of this thing called born again. How how can I be born again? Listen to the word of God. John 1, 12, as many as received him, that's Jesus, as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. You cannot become a child without being born, and you cannot become a child of God unless you have been born again. You say, well, how can I be born again? As many as received him. Have you received Jesus? Listen, as many as received him to as many who believe on his name, receive, believe, synonyms in John 1, 12. Do you believe that Jesus is the eternal son of God, the Christ? And then have you received him as your savior, believing that he paid for your sins personally? 
I had somebody come up to me recently and they said, yeah, you know, I did the church thing and um, I believe in God. I was baptized. I'm thinking, you know what? A lot of people know about God. They don't know God in their hearts. They know about him in their head. They don't know him in their hearts. So have you been born again? Have you received Jesus as your savior? Now, the good news is if you've done that, you have been born again. And so on your spiritual birthday, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. He made your spirit come alive, right? I say this almost every week. We are three-part beings, body, soul, spirit. We're a physical being. We have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, but we also have a spirit. And the Bible says that our spirit before Christ is dead. And when we receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, and he makes our spirit come alive. And he doesn't just do that. When he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives as we receive Jesus, here's what he does. He brings gifts with him, the gifts of the Spirit. And so here's your next point. If you're taking notes, you received a gift or gifts on your spiritual birthday. The Holy Spirit came inside of you to live And he said, happy birthday. And he had certain gifts that he wanted uh, you to have. Have you opened, unwrapped your gifts? Now, the spiritual gifts are listed in at least three different places in the New Testament. They're in 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians chapter 4, Romans chapter 12. This message will not be an exhaustive study on the gifts of the Spirit. But from those three passages, twice in 1 Corinthians 12, but also Ephesians 4 and Romans chapter 12, um, from those three passages, we see at least 16 different spiritual gifts. I'll just name them to you. There's the gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of a word of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healings, the gift of miracles, the gift of prophecies, the gift of discerning of spirits, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues, the gift of ministry, the gift of teaching, the gift of exhortation, the gift of giving, the gift of leadership, the gift of mercy, and the gift of evangelism. And so here comes the Holy Spirit, and he's got one or more of those gifts, and he comes inside of you. Happy birthday. Have you opened your gift? You know what's so sad to me? Is that there's churches all around the world, and they believe in a doctrine that's false. It's called the doctrine of cessationism. And they believe that all the gifts are no longer for today, that some of the gifts passed off with the closing of the canon of Scripture and the end of the apostolic age. And they say some of those gifts are no longer for today. And they come into church and they sit in a row and they're all stiff. And the Holy Spirit, like Elvis, has left the building. There's no moving of the Holy Spirit. There's no flowing of the gifts either in church or in life groups. Why? Because people have seen on TV or wherever the gifts are faked. The gifts are abused. There's people running around. There's people jumping over pews. There's people swinging from the chandeliers. There's people barking like dogs or they're quacking like a duck or whatever. And some people are so conservative in the evangelical church, they see that and they get as far away as possible and they embrace a false doctrine called the doctrine of cessationism because they don't want anything to do with that. Listen, that, that has nothing to do with this. This says all the gifts are for today. And the Holy Spirit is there and he's got some gifts and he's saying, will you just open your gift? And because we're afraid, we leave our gift unopened. How many of you guys really believe that all the gifts are for today. I believe that with all my heart. The true, legitimate gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and so just like our parents want us to unwrap the gifts they got for us on our physical birthday, God wants us to unwrap the gift or gifts he gave us on our spiritual birthday. So what is a spiritual gift? What is it? Well, it's the same definition when we covered this last year as we're teaching verse by verse through 1 Corinthians. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability to serve God and other Christians in such a way that Christ is glorified. Do you see that? 
Christ is glorified. It's never about a man. If you ever go to a church and the center of the church is all about the man or the woman, I have one word of advice for you. Run. Christ is glorified and believers are edified. And so please notice at least two things from this definition. First of all, it's a God-given ability, a God-given ability, not a human talent. A person may develop a talent, right, in music or technology or sports or basket weaving or whatever, right? But that's not a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability. Can you guys say that? Supernatural ability, go ahead. Okay, so a spiritual gift, whether it's 16 of them or maybe a little more or a little less, scholars disagree, okay? But anyway, out of the, all those spiritual gifts that the Lord lists for us in the New Testament, those are not human talents. Those are supernatural abilities given by the Holy Spirit to his people. And so number two, notice in that, that a spiritual gift is a God-given ability to serve God and other Christians. Notice, God wants us to use these gifts not for ourselves, not to serve ourselves, but to serve him and other people. It's not about us. It's about other people and the Lord. And you say, why? Here's why. Because if you're a Christian, the word Christian means follower of Christ, that means you follow his example. What is the example that Jesus left for us? He said it himself. He said, the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so all of us, if you're a Christian, let me see your hand, all throughout the building. All right, Christ follower, Jesus came not to be served. It wasn't about him. He came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so did you know that there is a prerequisite for serving? Let's find out about it. We're going to pick it up today in verse 3. Romans 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone, 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 who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So your next point, if you're taking notes, a, the prerequisite for serving is a humble heart. A humble heart. Paul said, I don't want you to think, everyone, everyone in the church, I don't want you guys, you gals, to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. In other words, in plain spoken English, don't be arrogant. And so I think we all, or most of us, know the story backwards and forwards in John 13 about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Okay, and so I'm not going to elaborate, because uh, most of you guys know the story, but the common practice of the day, because people walked around in sandals in the first century on dirt roads, is that your feet were dirty, they were soiled, and so when you went to a house, every single house inside the front door had a water basin and a towel. And the lowest servant in the house was charged to wash the feet of the guests into the home. All right, Last Supper, John 13, Passover, upper room, Disciples walk in, there's no servant, but there's a basin of water and there's a towel. And they all walk by the basin of water. Do you guys know why every single disciple walked by the basin of water and the towel? Here's why. Pride. Arrogance. The thought that they had, because they all saw it, the water basin was by every door in the first century. They saw the water basin. They saw the towel. They did not see a servant. And all of them had some kind of thought like this. No servant. I'm not going to stoop so low 
and do the job of a servant. I'm not going to do that. That, listen to this, that is beneath me. I'm above that. And so they all walked right by. They all sat down around the triclinium, actually sat down on the ground. There were no Western tables. They sat down, reclined at a low table for the Last Supper. Then they all started to argue about who was the greatest. A bunch of Muhammad Ali's all the way around the table. I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, no, I'm the best. My role's more important, no it's not. Jesus spends more time with me, back, forth, back, forth. And in that context of arrogance, in that context of pride, in that context of high-mindedness, of competition, Jesus gets up, the Lord of glory, the eternal Son of God, walks over, grabs the basin, girds himself with a towel, kneels down and begins to wash the stinking, smelly feet of his disciples. Why? Because the Son of Man did not come to be served. The Son of Man came to serve. And then he said this in John 13, if you're taking notes, just read it. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Why did the King of Kings and Lord of Lords do the lowest job in that culture? Here's why. He was humble. The prerequisite for serving is a humble heart. And, and, and listen, if you don't have a humble heart, you will never be a servant of God. You may have a title, but if you don't have a towel, to go along with your title. I don't care how many titles you have. You will not be a servant of God. Look at verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ. And individually, members of one another. Okay, very clear in verses four and five, Paul used the human body as an illustration for the body of Christ. By the way, when I say, when the Bible says the body of Christ, it's referring to the church. The body of Christ is the church. So here's your next point. If you're taking notes, the human body is like the body of Christ. And there's so many parallels between the human body and the church. And Paul draws that illustration out here in these verses, verses four and five. And so just like the human body has many different parts or members, right? Eyes, ears, tongue, heart, just to name a few. Just like the human body has many parts or members, so the body of Christ, the church, has many members. I don't know how many people are here in this room. I don't know, 600 maybe in this room right now. Okay, there's 600 of you individuals, but you're all one body. And with me, we're all one body, the church. Okay, so just like the human body, so is the church, the body of Christ. Not only that, but just like the different members of the human body have different functions to do, job roles to carry out, so the body of Christ, the church, each member has a different function. We all serve God in many different ways. Just like the human body, must, every member in the human body must do its job in order for the whole body to be healthy. It's the same thing in the body of Christ. Every member has to do his or her job so that the whole body is healthy. In fact, let me go so far as to say this. If we're not doing our part, the whole body suffers. Now follow me here. Right now, God forbid, if my eyes start, stopped doing their part and suddenly I went blind, my whole, not just my eyes, my whole body would suffer. If right now, as I'm standing here teaching you, my ears suddenly went deaf, not just my ears, but my whole body would suffer. Right now, if my, t especially, man, if my tongue 
stopped having the ability to form words. Not just my tongue, my whole body and, and, and you guys would all be negative. You all would suffer. Right now, if my heart stopped beating, I'm a dead man. Somebody had to come up here and, and resuscitate me, give me CPR, mouth to mouth or something. By the way, I've said this before. If I'm ever preaching and I fall over dead, don't let these guys with the gray shirts do CPR on me. Just let me go home, okay? DNR, do not resuscitate. I do not want, hey, if I'm going up to glory and I'm getting ready to see the place that Jesus has made just for me and all of a sudden I feel my heart pounding and I'm going back into my body and I'm back here, I'm gonna just like smack somebody in the face, man. Leave me alone, I'm going back to Jesus. I'm going to Jesus, okay? Just let me go. It's not about this life. This life's a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. A million years from now, we'll still be with the Lord, worshiping him. And so follow this, okay? If my eyes stop doing their part right now, the whole body suffers. My ears stop doing their part. The whole body suffers. My tongue, same thing. My heart stops beating. The whole body suffers. What's true in the human body is true in the body of Christ. Leads you to your next point, check it out. You are an eye, an ear, a tongue, or a heart. So in the body, would you please do your part? Now I wrote that this week and I got done writing it and I said, that rhymes. I'm a poet and didn't know it, right? Man, that's good, you're an eye, an ear, a tongue, a heart. So in the body, please do your part. Why do you need to do your part? Why in the world should you not just come in twice a month, sit in a row, with the expectation it's all about me? And that's the extent of your Christianity. Why should that not be true? Here's why. Because you're an eye in the body. You're an ear. You're a tongue, you're a heart. Could you please get out of the pew and do your part. Now in a moment, I'm gonna come back to that truth that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. But the Bible is meant to make us uncomfortable, not to make us feel good all the time, right? So we're gonna go through verses six through eight, and then I'll come back to that. Look at verse six. Having then gifts, there it is, gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them, unwrap that gift. Okay, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, otherwise known as the gift of service or helps, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches, in teaching. He who exhorts, in exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. Now again, let me emphasize this. We believe all the gifts are for today. But, but, but listen, we also believe here at Calvary, and so do all the Calvary chapels around the world, we believe that the gifts must be exercised according to the clear parameters given by the word of God. So important. So many churches get off into crazy land because they do not exercise the gifts according to the parameters of the word of God. And so I know this is a controversial topic and there's all sorts of positions in the evangelical world and that's why you know, we have, for example, one of the reasons why we have our, our Calvary Book Center in the, in the cafe. And we're gonna add more books in the months to come. Here's why, because as our church grows, people come from all different church backgrounds and they bring what they were taught. And sometimes, some of them have an agenda. They wanna change this church into the church that they just came from. But the problem is, maybe the church that they just came from preached the prosperity gospel. We don't preach that here. Maybe the church they came from um, believed in a doctrine called the word of faith. 
You know, name it and claim it. You speak it in the name of Jesus, and God has to do what you command him to do, as if God is some cosmic bending machine where you put a dollar in, and he's got to give you a Coke. That is not preached here. We, we, we teach the whole counsel of God, right? What's the whole counsel of God? The whole counsel of God, for example, in the gift of healing, is that God wills for everyone to be healed, but it may not be in this life. It may be in this life, but it may be when we get our future resurrected bodies. Some people say Jesus always healed everybody. No, he didn't. At the, I was sharing this with somebody recently. At the pool of Bethesda, Jesus literally had to walk over about 20, 30, 40 people who were sick to get to one guy who he healed. He didn't heal all of them. Can we just teach the whole counsel of God? Because here's what happens. When you get sick and, and people pray for you and you don't, you don't receive a healing right there, you know what some of these people will say to you? Your faith is not strong enough. And then you become disillusioned with church and you're gone and, 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 and where have you been? I don't want anything to do with them. They abandoned me. You see how that works? And so it's so important, ladies and gentlemen, and, and so we have these books. One of the classic books about the gifts of the Spirit out in the cafe is called Living Water uh, by Pastor Chuck Smith, who's now with the Lord. He, was, he started the first Calvary Chapel, and the Lord tremendously blessed his ministry. And so all of the gifts of the Spirit, all 16 or so, are clearly defined. A chapter on each of the gifts um, is all laid out. Um, in this book, my favorite chapter, by the way, um, in the book is toward the end, um, and it's, it's called, I'm going to get it for you right here, The Real Baptism of Fire. It's chapter 23, and he talks about the, um, the, the experience that Charles Finney had with the Holy Spirit. I encourage you to read that chapter first uh, before you read any other chapter. It'll knock your socks off. Okay, and so... Let's read through verses six through eight. And with pen in hand, here we go. Here's the seven gifts that Paul lists. In verse six, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them if, please underline the word prophecy. By the way, you can have the gift of prophecy and not have the office of a prophet. Just, just so you know. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Verse seven, or ministry, please underline the word ministry. Let us use it in ministering or serving. He who teaches, please underline the word teach, in teaching. He who exhorts, please underline the word exhorts, in exhortation. He who gives, please underline the word give, with liberality, he who leads with diligence, please underline the word leads. If you have the gift of leading or governments, there's nothing worse than somebody who has the gift of leadership who stands on the sidelines or sits on the bench. No, 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 no. Get up off the bench, get in the game, lead with diligence. You've been sitting on the bench too long. He who shows, underline the word mercy, there's your seventh and final gift, at least in this portion of the word of God, mercy with cheerfulness, okay? And so we're gonna touch and go. I'll spend most of my time on the first gift, but then we'll go quickly through this list, okay? And so the first gift that I had you underline is the gift of prophecy. What does that mean? It's a divine enablement, not a human talent, to speak forth God's word in order to do exactly what 1 Corinthians 14.3 says. 1 Corinthians 14.3, when Paul talked to that church about the gift of prophecy, he said that that gift is given to edify and to exhort and to comfort others. Okay, and so there's two aspects to the gift of prophecy. There is a foretelling, F-O-R-E, telling aspect and there is a fourth, F-O-R-T-H, telling aspect to the gift of prophecy. And so maybe there's a foretelling aspect to it. In other words, in Acts chapter 11, I don't know if you remember this, but Agabus, who was a prophet, he spoke a word of prophecy to the church. He said there's a great famine that's coming, and guess what happened? Just a little while later, a great famine came, exactly like that man said. 
And so there's a foretelling sometimes aspect to this gift, but primarily there's a fourth telling aspect. It's when, listen, a man or woman speaks forth the word of God to edify, exhort, and comfort other people. Did you hear me say that, ladies? Man or woman, right? And so, listen, if you're a lady, do you have the gift of prophecy? Well, pastor, I'm not supposed to say anything in the church. I'm not supposed to say anything as I'm serving. I'm not supposed to say anything when I'm in life groups. Because doesn't the Bible say, don't let the woman speak? Okay, I don't have time to explain all of it, but here's a quick summary, okay? 30-second summary. In those days, the men sat on one side and the women sat on the other side. And sometimes when pastors like me were sharing, the, the, the woman, the, 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 the wife would stand up and she'd ask her husband questions right in the middle of sermon. And so Paul had to write to Corinth, hey, ladies, stop doing that. Okay, it's not saying that you, you can never talk in church, Hey, Philip had four virgin daughters. They were prophetesses. They spoke forth the word of God to edify and encourage and exhort people. And so, ladies, use your gifts. Now, it doesn't say that a lady can be an elder or pastor in the Bible. And I'll get emails. Just listen. Save your emails, okay? Because we're not changing our doctrine, all right? Okay, but the Bible is very clear that the position of pastor or elder belongs to men alone. But listen, under that pastoral leadership, there absolutely can be ladies who prophesy, who speak forth the word of God in the church. And I'm just teaching the Bible to you, and, and I'm letting the chips fall, okay? No matter what church you come from. And so the gift of prophecy, foretelling sometimes, foretelling usually. And so there you are, and, and someone's sharing their heart with you, trying to get advice, and you don't know what to say, but all of a sudden, man, it's crystal clear. Why? Because it's a, it's a, a supernatural ability given by the Holy Spirit, and you know exactly what to say, what the Lord is saying to this person. And so you begin to edify and encourage and exhort. Maybe it has a foretelling aspect to it. Maybe it has something to do with that person's future, or maybe it's a foretelling, just a word to encourage them. Whatever, has anybody ever had this experience? And they receive it, and they're like, wow, man, that's just the word that I needed. Why? It's a word of prophecy. I remember um, in that book, uh, Pastor Chuck talking about how the first 17 years of his ministry was like very, very little fruit. And so he was a pastor for 17 years, and his churches were very small, and they were not growing and so one day, a little group um, in California, Southern California, that called themselves Calvary Chapel, gave uh, Pastor Chuck a call and said, do you want to be our pastor? He said, let me pray about it. So he prayed about it, and I don't know how much time elapsed, but when he was done praying about it, um, they called him, and they said, hey, don't bother coming. We decided to disband as a church. And Pastor Chuck said, too late, I already resigned from my church. I'm coming anyway. And so he came to a group of 12 people, 12 people who already decided to disband as a church. And they were there and they're praying and they're waiting on the Lord. And the Lord gave a word of prophecy to those 12 people about Pastor Chuck, that he would someday become a pastor of many pastors. Listen, 12 people in a church that was ready to quit. And the Lord showed up. And spoke a word of prophecy. And what happened years later in that man's life? After 17 years of very little fruit, now all of a sudden his church is growing and growing and growing. At one point in its heyday, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa had 30,000 people in Southern California who called that church home. There were hippies. If you're under 20, that's guys with really long hair <laughs> and girls with no shoes. And anyway, uh, so anyway... They were coming by the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Why? Because the Lord fulfilled his word of prophecy. And that's not the main reason I respect that man. The main reason I respect that man is not because of how big his church grew. The main reason I respect that man is because God used him to touch the life of hundreds and hundreds of pastors like me. Right? And so now... Now there's, I think it's over 15, over 1,600 Calvary chapels all around the world. 
I had lunch with him one time with a group of pastors. I met him on a different occasion. I heard him speak um, on the Holy Spirit one time at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. It absolutely rocked my world. You know why? Because I come from a, ba- a, a background where I was a cessationist. And I had to sit before a group of deacons and pastors and clearly explain why I believe that not all the gifts are for today. I used to be part of those churches. And thank Jesus that he sent me to a church, to a man of God who believed all the gifts were today as they're legitimately practiced in the parameters of the the word of God, to a church that is spirit-filled so that now I can be part of a church where the Holy Spirit is moving and changing hearts and lives. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. Now, by the way, if it's a word of prophecy, listen, I have to say this. If it's a word of prophecy, it will always line up with this scripture. Why, pastor? Because this is our final authority for all matters of faith and practice. This is our measuring stick. Some people take the gift of prophecy way too far, and they say, here's the Bible, and here's my word of prophecy. They're equally authoritative and inspired. I have one word for you if you're in that church. Run. This is God's word. But don't say so much that, you know, um, that the Bible is the only way God speaks today. Don't say that. The Holy Spirit's here. He wants to speak. He wants to move. He wants to lead you. And if God gives you a word of prophecy, I said I was going to touch and go. My goodness. If God gives you, last thing I want to say about this. If God gives you a word of prophecy, okay, don't make a big deal about it. Don't be like the Pharisees, blow your trumpet before you tithe. Don't walk up to the person and change your voice. God said, you know, thus saith the Lord, whatever. Don't do that. Just share what God put on your heart to that person. And here's what you do. As you're sharing it, say something like this. I think this is what the Lord has for you. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and pray, and I want you to get confirmation in the word of God. I want you to get confirmation from the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. I want you to get confirmation from an elder in the church because I could be wrong. Don't make a big deal about it. It's not about us. It's about the Lord. Second gift, ministry, helps and service. It's a divine enablement to come alongside others to help them in practical ways. And so that's self-explanatory. Don't need a lot of elaboration. I love people who have this gift. Why? You know, because there's hundreds of them here at Calvary, and they serve behind the scenes. And you know what? They don't have to be asked to be served. They see a need, they meet it. They love serving. They don't whine and complain about it. They don't draw attention to themselves about it. They don't need a pat on the back every single Sunday or they're not going to serve the following Sunday. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gives them their pat on the back. And so praise God for people who get it. The gift of teaching. Again, self-explanatory. It's a divine enablement, not a human talent. You may be a good teacher, but it may not be the gift of the Spirit in your life. It's a divine enablement to communicate the truths of Scripture in a clear and an accurate way. And so this gift needs to happen on Sunday mornings, obviously, but it also needs to happen in our discipleship classes. It needs to happen um, um, in our future school across the street. It needs to happen in our children's ministry right now because what goes on over there is just as important as what goes on here. All right, and so be careful, though, Don't be a self-appointed teacher because James 3.1 says, be not many teachers because they will receive the stricter judgment. The next gift is exhortation. It's the divine enablement to encourage others to live out what they have learned. In other words, teachers impart knowledge. People with the gift of exhortation encourage you to put that knowledge into practice. And so churches that are unhealthy, maybe they have too much teaching and not enough exhortation. In other words, you have all these teachers and it's teach, 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 milk, 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 knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. And what happens in that environment is that the sheep get really flabby. 
And so you need to balance that out and make sure there's enough people with the gift of exhortation who are telling you, man, live that out, practice that. Let me encourage you to get off the sideline and get into the game. Now, there are churches who have a bunch of exhorters and not a lot of teachers. The problem with that is serve, 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 and you're running and running and running, and you're getting skinnier and skinnier with no nourishment, and that's not healthy either. So you need a balance of teaching and exhortation. The next gift is the gift of giving, if you're taking notes, giving. That's a divine enablement to trust God to be a channel of his resources to others. And so people who have this gift, um, they are used by God uh, in, in, in miraculous ways to meet needs in the body of Christ. A divine enablement to trust, there's the key, God to be a channel of his resources to others. His financial resources and you may look at that gift, and you may be thinking right now, Pastor, I do not have that gift. Well, can I share with you that whether you have that gift or not, all of us should be honoring the Lord, giving him first place in our finances. Every single one of us. We believe here at Calvary in the principle of the tithe. We believe that we need to, as Proverbs 3, 9 says, we need to honor the Lord with the first fruits of all of our increase, the first fruits, not our leftovers. In other words, we don't pay all of our bills and, oh God, I got five bucks left over. Here you go. No. Giving is an act of worship. That's the first check you write is to the Lord. That's the first thing you do when you give, is you, when, you, when, you, when you come to your month and it's time to, to pay your bills, the first thing you should do is go to the website and you, you Give God the first fruits, or you bring in your tithe to the storehouse of the local church. If God, see, here's the problem. The problem is some of you were singing a little while ago with Priscilla about um, walking on the water, right? You were singing that song with all your heart, but you're not walking on the water. You know why you're not walking on the water? You're not even tithing. Can we just be honest? You're, you're, you're sitting in the boat. If you can't trust God with 10% of your increase and give him the first fruits, why are you singing about walking on the water? Just be honest with the Lord. If you're really gonna walk on the water, you gotta trust him. What does that mean? That means give him first place. Now, listen, when I do this, I got three coming back to me. And so I'll admit it, there were years. My wife and I were in good Bible teaching churches and we did not tithe. You know why? I had a problem with trusting God. I gave him 8%. I don't know why I couldn't trust him for two more percent. <laughs> and finally, somebody got in my face in love and challenged me about the principle of tithing. And I stepped out of the boat and I, I, I began to trust him with 10% minimum. And what the Lord has done, that was many years ago, what the Lord has done, both materially, but most of all spiritually in our lives has been phenomenal. So you gotta trust the Lord. Trust the Lord and he will open the windows of heaven. Some, but, but some of you have a gift of giving and so beyond the tithe, you're, you're used by the Lord as a channel and, and you give more, sometimes a lot more, okay? Now what's beautiful about people who have this gift is they're not worried about giving large amounts. Why? Because they know this truth. Every time they give, God gives back to them and then they give and God gives back to them and then they give and what are they doing? They're just a channel of God's resources. We have the gift of leadership, that's the next gift. It's a divine enablement to oversee the ministry of the church and influence others to reach their potential. And so this gift of leadership, so important. You've heard it said before, everything rises and falls on leadership. That's a true statement. And so, Churches that have weak leadership fail. It's the bottom line. Churches that have strong leadership flourish and rise. If this church is gonna continue to flourish and rise, we need more leaders. And you might say, okay, pastor, just give me a title and I'll lead. It's not about titles, it's about towels. 
people actually sometimes come, come to me and ask me for positions in the church. That's what they do. And my thought is, could you maybe serve for a year? Can we see that heart first before we give you any kind of title? It's not about titles, it's about towels. Be a servant leader. And then the last gift is the gift of mercy. A divine enablement to feel empathy toward those in need and to show compassion to them. And so these are the people, praise God for them, who go on hospital visits and sit in nursing homes by people who never get visited. These are the people who go with us to Haiti to help the widows and the orphans. These are the people who in life group and in church, it's not about me, me, me. You know, what, what's the church gonna do for me? It's always about who's hurting, who can I help, who can I encourage? These are the people, by the way, who um, foster children in their homes. So important. We have a lot of people in our church now. We need more who are fostering kids. What a sacrificial, selfless call that is to bring these children who so, so need help. And if you need um, information about fostering, we can give that to you at the Welcome Center. And so these are the people who give, 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 because they love the Lord so much. And so here's your last point. It's just a former point that I'm gonna reiterate. Here it is. You are an eye, an ear, and a tongue, or a heart. So in the body, please do your part. In other words, don't just sit in a row. Don't sit soaking sour. Serve. And you may say, well, how can I serve? I'm so glad you asked. All you gotta do is go to our website, calvarypsl.com. Click on I wanna serve. After you click on I want to serve in the drop-down field, it takes you to another page. The next page, you read the first line, you click where it says click. That takes you to 22 different areas right now where you can serve here in the body of Christ. And so here's some of our biggest needs. We'll, we'll, we'll list them. Calvary Cafe team, praise God for people who make your coffee. <laughs> the hospitality team, thank God for the people who serve donuts every single Sunday. The first impression team, thank God uh, for the greeters and the ushers in our church. The hospitality team, which I just mentioned. The parking ministry team. Listen, we have really hot summers in Florida, and these guys have absolutely knocked it out of the park if they're like in the foyer right now, can you let them know how thankful you are for them? Such servants, amazing. Maybe God's put a love for children in your heart. You can serve in our children's ministry. Maybe it's cleaning. Thank God for our extreme clean ministry, okay? And so there's other areas. There's safety, there's security, there's technology. There's during the week, um, people who help out uh, Miss Pat with, bullet, with programs and other areas of administration. There are so, there's 22 different areas you can look on the website. And so here's what we're gonna do as we close our service today. I'm gonna ask everyone right now to go inside your program and pull out your Get Connected card, okay? And so that means please everyone right now, whether you're serving or not, go inside of your program and please pull out your Get Connected card. So two things we're gonna do as we close the service today. The first thing we're gonna do is for those of you, whether you're serving or not, if you need to update your information because we have a wrong address or phone number, now's the time to do that um, so that we can keep you in the loop whenever things happen um, here in the local church. The second and most important reason I have you pull that out is for those of you who are not currently serving. And so I wanna encourage you if you're an eye or an ear, a tongue or a heart, would you please do your part? You say, Pastor, there's hundreds of people serving here. Listen, there's so many needs. You would not believe how many needs we still have as the church grows. And so all you have to do is fill out the top section and then check the box that says, I want to serve. If there's an area God tugged on your heart, write that on the back. If there's not, that's fine. We'll plug you in somewhere. Now here's what I wanna encourage you not to do for those of you who are super spiritual. Well, pastor, I'm not gonna fill this out right now. I'm gonna go home and pray about it. You don't have to pray about it. If this is your local church, 
you need to serve. Why? Because Jesus is your example, and he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And right now, if you're here, and, and listen, and you come twice a month, and you sit in a row, and that's the extent of your involvement, right now, maybe you're getting mad or offended or uncomfortable. Please look at my face. Praise the Lord. I'm so happy. That's the Holy Spirit saying, take the next step in your walk with me. This is not a performance. It's not for you to come in and see some celebrity giving a performance, a band performing a concert, and some motivational speaker making you feel good. That is not the local church. The local church is a body where all the parts do their part. And you have a part. And it might be a little part, but you have a part. And so please, do your part. One of the greatest gifts God can give his children is the assurance of their salvation. If you're not sure where you stand with God, we want to help. Visit our website at www.calvarypsl.com. Click on Home, then Knowing Christ.